Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Come meet me at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone, come gather around. Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Nigel Shoptal, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. Alan Medlock still doing the baseball thing. In fact, their season started. Alan let me know that their first game was this week and they got down, I think he said it was six to one, rallied back to tie it at seven uh, before the rains came and uh, put the, made it a tie to, to start the season. But the games are going and We'll try to keep you posted on what Tulsa Hale is doing as we go through the through the weeks. But this joining me this week is Ben Sarudi. You'll know him from Birds on the Black. You know him out on Twitter, STL fan BC7. You know him for his projections that he puts out every year. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you, Dana? I'm doing all right. We've got uh, a week's worth of baseball under our belts and well, I mean, I guess if you count the spring training as, as baseball, which I guess you can, <laughs> it just depends on. It's not it's not quite the same as opening week or something like that. But it is 
it is interesting, right? I mean, you, how much, where do you put your weight? I, I, we, I've got to kind of talk to this about this with everybody, you know, are, does anything that happened this week matter to you? Do you have, does it like, I'm not going to look at it until, you know, two weeks a week before the spring training is over with, or is there import to what we've seen? Oh, I think, I think that the biggest thing I look for is just no injuries. You know, the, the, the Wainwright velocity dip is only concerning to me. If, if we think there's a something there injury wise, they're saying it's no injuries there. Um, you know, not seeing Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery yet in the, on the main fields only becomes interesting to me if, if they're holding them back because of some issue rather than just working out mechanics, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as far as statistically, I, I don't take much stock of it. You know, if they, they do say that this year there's battles, you know, position battles or whatever, but they say that every year. And so it's kind of one of those things where, I'll keep an eye on it the closer we get to the regular season. You know, if if Jordan Walker perhaps is hitting like he's hitting and he's still in camp when everybody returns from the WBC, then maybe there's something there to it. But until then, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's It's still interesting. It's something to talk about. It's not something to draw a lot of conclusions from, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still fun to watch. It's still baseball. It's more baseball right. than my son's indoor practice was. Tonight, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> indoor, indoor uh, practices, quite a, a step away from games. And so um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit though, about Wainwright's velocity issues. Yeah. They are saying that what a little bit of a, tweak or something like that he's just got to get back to his mechanics it's yeah. something he can work out it, you know that's all well and good and that's very probably true but it's also concerning given how last year the last really it's kind of i think somebody had a tweet out this week showing you know it's kind of a straight line down uh that's going on you know, is there, I mean, obviously I think Adam Wainwright can be, can be effective with lesser velocity. We've shown that, but it's still a little bit concerning to see that, um, even if it is early in spring. Yeah. I mean, you never want to want to see velocity dips, you know, even, even from your starting pitcher who's nearly as old as I am, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, then again, you kind of expect that with him and, I don't know that he's pitched appreciably worse as his velocity has dipped. I mean, I know he went through that couple year stretch and what was that? 19 and 18 or 19. Yeah, that was, 19, that was 19, rough. 19. But I mean, we talk about how long ago 19 was for Jack Flaherty. Well, can't we talk mm-hmm. about it the other way with Adam Wainwright? Right. I mean, he's, right. he's been great basically three years running. Um, go ahead. Do, do you think that it's, become an issue this spring because of how he ended last year. I mean, if he, if he finishes, if he has a good September last year, we don't worry too much about it just right now. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's, I mean, I feel like when, like back in 18 and 19, when you would hear Wainwright talk after games, 
he wouldn't say words that made him sound worried, but the way he said them, I seemed like he was worried. Like I was almost surprised he didn't retire at that point. Just the yeah. way he was talking. He doesn't seem terribly worried right now. Like the way he's saying the words that don't seem worried also seems not very worried, if that makes sense. <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm not going to read too much into it yet. I'm going to take him at face value on that one and say, Hey, come back at him in three or four more starts and see where he's at. I think, and as he pointed he's out that as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he pointed out that, you know, it got a little bit better. You know, he reached 86 and stuff like that, which is higher than it had been in his last start. And so there's some idea that it is, he's making steps in the right direction. Right. Um, it does bring up a, a hypothetical though. And it's a hypothetical we discussed last year with Albert Pujols about this time, you know, what happens, how, how does the team react? What can they do if Adam Wainwright isn't effective? Um, again, hopefully it's just a, and it probably is just a little bit of a pie in the sky. We saw what Albert, you know, Albert did struggle in the first half, but then was dominating obviously the second. If Adam Wainwright, and let's assume Adam Wainwright doesn't, you know, pack it up if he has three or four bad starts in a row or something like that. But, you know, if he is not the Adam Wainwright we expect, what does the team do? Yeah. And that's, that's a tough one for me. Um, I, I do feel like they are better prepared depth wise than they have been in Mm -hmm. a while. They don't have that front end guy, but I mean, Dakota Hudson has been a starter that you can rely on in the past to be a back-end starter. Um, And he's your sixth man pretty clearly right now, as much as I like him more than I like Steven Matz in terms of a lot of things. Uh, And why do you like better than Steven Matz? Yeah, that's true. I don't like (laughs) Matz very much. Um, I'm sure he's a lovely person, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, Hudson, Woodford, Pallante, they could all kind of be that same guy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you can figure out which of the three is going to actually give you innings and be that, you know, be that guy giving you five innings a game instead of four innings a game, then I don't know if you can replace Wainwright exactly with that, but it's it's a lot better than what a lot of teams throw out there for a fourth or fifth starter. So do you think that they would move Wainwright to the bullpen? Would they just have quick hooks so that he almost designated, it's almost like a starter. You know, if he has, if it's like, okay, it's two innings and you don't have it today, we're going to go to somebody else. I mean, how do they, because they're obviously, you know, releasing him is out of the question, right? right. Um, so, you know, is that a closed door? Ollie says, Hey, you know, we've got some retirement papers here. Um, you know, what do you, how do you think they wouldn't handle just Wainwright part? Cause you're right. They do have depth. They have guys that can, could squeeze in there. You don't have to worry about who's going to take the innings as much. Um, yeah. what do you do with that when a legend has trouble? I, yeah, I, I haven't given this any thought. Um, I think. Wainwright would om- will probably almost drive the bus on that one, so to speak. Yeah. Like I think it'll be a 
you know, be a thing where if he says, Hey, uh, I'm not having it right now, you know, it's, I think he, they'd probably come up with an injury for it is my sure. guess. Like, yeah. I don't think, or, you know, either that, or he steps up and be and you know, if, if somebody's just dominant in AAA and he's the only one faltering in the majors, you know, Flaherty's healthy, Matt's is healthy and, you know, pitching like he did in Toronto in 2021, Montgomery's healthy, Michaelis is trucking like last year, and you've got Graceffo or you've got Woodford or you've got Palante, oh, now I guess Palante will be in the pen. You've got Hudson, you've got Verhagen, you've got Libertor, so, you know, stepping it up. Thomas pitching like he was down in Arizona. Somebody down there that's really cooking. I could, I could see Wainwright taking the lead and saying, "Hey, why don't, why don't we give this guy a couple times through and let me be a log man in the pen for a minute, you know, or yeah, or something like that." Uh, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think Wainwright's retiring midseason, no matter how bad it gets. I really don't, and I don't think he's accepting an assignment to anywhere to quote unquote rehab you know, in his last year. So, uh, but I could see him, him jump into the pen and just saying, Hey, just give me a month to get it back or give me two weeks to get it back. Feel right. Type of thing. That makes sense. And I, and I agree that Adam Warner is going to have a lot of input in this. I mean, you know, he's got more tenure than anybody on the, on the staff, obviously. So, um, yeah, I I think you're right. I think probably if he's not starting, he probably does slide into the bullpen and they use him in long relief for a little bit if he can figure out what's going on. And and hopefully, you know, again, <clears throat> like we did last year, you know, a little, little bit different with Albert, right? I mean, he didn't have to play every day. You know, it was easy to just kind of pinch hit him or whatever the case would be. A, a, yes. starting, a starting pitcher is a little different. Exactly. Yeah, it's not like he's a... Uh... A loogie in the bullpen or something. Right. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that's a lot of, you know, hypothetical stuff that doesn't actually come up. And so we won't worry about it. Um, <laughs> you know, as you watch the team this week, and again, really hard to draw a lot of conclusions, but it's played, it, it, it feels like they've had a stronger start to a spring than, than I can remember in a while. Um, you know, again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything for later on, but it's been nice to see them, you know, really go out there and, and play strong from the from the opening bell, if you will. Yeah, like the, the, the hitting, I feel like, has just been, I mean, with the exception, I didn't get to watch the 6-0 loss. That wasn't on TV, though, was it? I think nobody got to watch that one. But right. um, with the exception of that, I feel like it's been consistent, like starters, subs. It doesn't matter who. They are just hitting um it seems like maybe the competition that 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 marmol and and mosaic engineered for this spring is really bringing it out of them in terms of like just just the competitive fire i know marmol had a quote today after walker and win both had another heck of a game each um something along the lines of you know these two just don't back down to anybody or any situation. And that's something that you don't find with every player. And, and it's, you know, just such a valued trait. And he didn't say all those words. He's a man of few words sometimes, but, but, uh, you know, you could, you could see like 
how important and impressive that was to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, even Ollie said there at the beginning of the spring, right. That there was competition and we say that every year, but this year we actually mean it. And I feel like when you acknowledge that, that there is something to that. And there are, there are spots. I mean, obviously there are some spots that are locked in. I know Albert Pujols always, you know, famously said he came to spring training trying to bake the team, but you know, I'm pretty sure we could write in Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado and, and, and people like that. Right. But you know, that, that back of the, the, you know, the, the outfield situation, the bullpen situation, I don't think the rotation, because I don't think, you know, I think it's kind of locked down, but you yeah. never know, I guess, with injuries, you know, who's the, who's what? the sixth man is up for debate. Yeah. When was the last time you can remember that they're not looking at who's going to be the five starter? It's been a long while. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of it because usually it been, has it been since like the 2015 team? Maybe, you know, because usually even when you think going into spring training that you've got the five starters locked down, that's about the time somebody gets hurt and is out for a year, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't. I mean, you probably yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're going back at least that far, and I'd have to, you know, kind of look at the spring and and, and see, you know, how that worked regard. But um, it's been a long time, and you know, knock on all sorts of wood that you know we don't have to worry about it, you know, because of injury later on, but. You know, they've got, you know, it's also been a while since they've had five guys, five veteran guys under contract, right? Because usually that fifth spot is a guy from the system that can be sent down to Memphis, you know, versus some sort of veteran. And, you know, there is a little bit of battle there, you know, um, but now they got, they got five guys they can't do anything with. I mean, they can't really send any of those guys to minors and they don't really want to send any of those guys to the bullpen. So yeah, that's it's it's a situation that's a little bit more rigid than we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and my, yeah, maybe twenty nineteen at the at the earliest, I guess, but that's still four years ago. Which for a team that's bread and butter has been its pitching for so long, it mm-hmm. surprises me when I thought about it like that. And that's the other part of it, right? I mean, up until twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, the miners kept churning out pitchers and so you always had a guy or two guys you know ready to go ready to get up there and now that's shifted there's not a pitcher i mean you've got your woodfords you've got your levators but there's not like necessarily top-notch pitchers coming up so you know you've got hints but he's a ways off still yeah um, and i feel like you've got guys ready fairly soon or they hope to with like you know, they've got Thomas and Libertor who can step in, and they've got Graceffo and McGreevy who are coming at some point, and, right. you know, hence who's coming at some point. I feel like the the pitching that's loaded right now is, the, and I know Kyle and you talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but the relief pitching, like the right-handed relievers are just coming out the ears for the Cardinals at the moment. Yeah, and that there is, you know, there's some competition there because of that. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting. I think, you know, let's get in. I mean, we should. We have. To, I think we're Cardinal Podcast. We have to talk about Jordan Walker. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I don't my, – my opinion has been, and I don't know if it's yours or not, that 
the Cardinals had enough people in front of him that they weren't going to take him north. You know, he can, he can go spend some time in Memphis while they figure out exactly what they have at a Newt Bar and O'Neill and Carlson and, you know, Yepes or whatever, that Burleson. You've got a lot of guys that could be up there. I'm still thinking that, but the way he's taking to spring training has me wavering just a little bit. Again, it's one yeah. week. I, I, I hate to do that just yet, but he's come out of the gate, I think, a little bit stronger than I expected. Yeah, uh, he really has. He's um, And he's doing it against starters, too. And I, I know one of them was Johnny Cueto, who looks about as good as Wainwright's looked so far this spring. But, <laughs> Fair. Um, but, I mean, he's hitting everybody. Like, they, you know, they, they were showing a comparison of Goldschmidt and Arenado's numbers the other day, and then they popped up Walker's a few minutes later, and it was basically the same thing, right? And, Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Goldschmidt and Arenado are going to the WBC with like 1,500 OPSs at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's going to be really, really tough if, if any of the others falter or, you know, if, if there's a phantom injury going on or, or anything like that, you know. I think what he doesn't have going for him, though, is if it's a – if it's a case where the other three are even okay or showing improvements, then I don't think there's any chance he's up because he's not going to be playing every day. Whereas I think Burleson's kind of in the boat where his development is much more done than, than a guy like Walker. And so Mm -hmm. Burleson can be that fifth guy in the outfield or Gomez or somebody where they might not play, but twice a week. And, and that's not going to be him. Um, I mean, then again, with the DH and with three outfielders, you know, four outfielders taking a total of 2,500 plate appearances or whatever it's going to be between the four positions. I mean, there's plenty of room for, for Walker there too. And, and honestly resting, uh, and O'Neill with a half day every once a week, twice a week as, as a DH wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, despite him being a gold glove outfielder. Just maybe that keeps him healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see how center field treats him as well. Um, yeah. There's been some talk about, was it, was it with Bader? There was some talk a couple of years ago about somebody playing center field. It was like less stressful on you than playing. Yeah, like less starts and stops, I think is what yeah. they would say. So, yeah. And not having to worry about sidewalls and stuff like that. So, yeah. We'll see if that works. Um, yeah. The other thing, you know, of course, the other problem with Jordan Walker is he's not on the 40 man roster. And right now, I mean, not saying that you can't remove somebody from the 40 man, but it's, it's pretty full. I mean, it, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's full of players that either you don't want to let go of or they kind of need for the insurance. Um, it's hard to imagine how, you know, barring injury. Now, again, obviously if there's an injury that, you know, requires an extended stay, that's a different story. But um, mm-hmm. right now it's, it's hard to see how he would make it onto the 40 man. Yeah. Um I think it would almost have to be, you know, a, a 60 day DL stint or, mm-hmm. or just, you know, somebody who's fringe just doesn't have it. Like if, 
if they think Drew Verhagen's, you know, done or, right. or if they try Guillermo Zuniga or, or a Wilking Rodriguez, you know, somebody that they just acquired and, or the Anthony Meisowitz, I think is how you pronounce yeah. his name from Kansas yeah. city. You know, they, somebody that they just acquired that they don't have much stock in yet. And they just are complete rubbish in the spring and look, just, Hey, let's just send this kid back and, and throw him through waivers and see what happens or something. Um, but yeah, I, looking through everybody else on the roster, I mean, unless it's, unless it's a Paul DeYoung, then they think, you know, well, he's done after the spring. I don't see another place really to do that. Yeah. I mean, problem, uh, is, problem is if it's Paul DeYoung, then you don't have a backup middle infielder. So it's probably not Walker. It's probably Jose Fermin getting onto the roster yeah. or Kramer <laughs> Robertson again or something. Or unless they want to go crazy with space and wind, right? I mean, who, again, I'm not suggesting that, but so far, again, I think even more so than Walker, I was surprised at how well Wynn has taken to facing major league pitching because he hasn't done a lot of that either. Because um, again, not that he's not coming up, he's not coming up now. I don't know. I, I was I would not have a, a couple weeks ago. I would not have said that he was coming up this year. That he still needs a lot of time. I don't know if he's not a September call up the way he's going. Yeah, I mean, if he if he can take what he's done so far down to AAA this year and really mm-hmm. grow off that, I mean, he could be on the fast track too. I agree with you completely there. Um, I don't think he'll make the roster just because I really do think that they want to see what they have in Donovan and Gorman at second mm-hmm. um, and just leave Edmund at short. But I think if if you see a situation where, you know, Gorman looks more like last year in the field, but is hitting and he's the DH and Donovan's not the same player he was or something. I mean, when at short and Edmund at second could be the best middle infield combo the Cardinals have had in a long time. And that's saying something considering their yeah. middle infield defense as of late. Um, yeah, I, I, but I think it, I think it, takes extreme measures if he's going to be on the roster before August, at least. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, that said, and you and I, I sent you a message, we talked a little bit this week um, in preparation. I have been somewhat surprised. I've been very surprised at how little Paul DeYoung has played. Um, he's really only played one game. Now, there was a tweet that came out this week that said he was having some arm fatigue and he was trying to build it back up. But, yep. you know, we've talked about, I mean, one, they're still DH, but two, you know, we could, you know, this was a hugely important spring training for Paul DeYoung to make, to show that all this off season work that he did was going to pay off. And we were going to see something that was at least salvageable, I guess, out of Paul DeYoung. And, you know, after the first week, he has three at bats. Um, I don't know, you know, he could, he'll be able with Tommy Edmond gone off to the WBC. He'll have time if he gets healthy to, to make up a lot of those, but you know, it just feels like just another thing that's gone wrong for Paul DeYoung. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it might've been a lot more of, they know Edmund is going off to the world baseball classic 
And so they wanted to make sure to see him a little bit prior to him leaving, potentially. Um, but yeah, I, I think the next couple of weeks with Edmund gone, or next week or whatever it is with Edmund gone, I think that's going to show a lot on if they have any faith in, in what DeYoung has. But uh, I don't know. John Denton said some. The last thing I saw about DeYoung on Twitter, at least, was that John Denton was saying something along the lines of, him getting over that arm fatigue and he was supposed to be a go in yesterday's game at short. Do you know if he ended up playing short? No. Well, I mean, like I said, he's got, he's got three at bats on the spring. He's played in two games and I, I didn't, I don't know. Let me see if I can follow the game ball. Cause I thought those were first, those two games were kind of early. Um, if he got into the game, he didn't get in that bat. I don't think. Um, game logs, spring training. <laughs> yeah, he played the uh, February twenty fifth and February twenty seventh. So he has not played since then. Okay, At yeah. least not 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 in a regular game. Now he may have been doing some stuff on the backfields or whatever. Right. Yeah, and there was something about Donovan in that same tweet, but Donovan played third base yesterday, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I get right now it is difficult to to juggle the. Because usually in spring training, you know, Paul DeYoung, or, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnauto don't have, you know, 12 at-bats or something this early, right? Because right. they've kind of, right. you know, usually those guys are not playing as much right now. But uh, so with WBC, things are a little bit different. But, I mean, it's still weird to see that, you know, to look at the people that have more at-bats than, I mean, Jimmy Crooks has five. I mean, which is, I, I didn't think we would see Jimmy Crooks in, actual games this year um right and you know taylor Motter is, is one of the leaders with 10 and i didn't even know taylor Motter was part of the organization so i mean um <laughs> it's just it is interesting to see how many people are playing and paul de young is it and again you're right they they know who paul de young is and all it's going to take is like him playing the last week before spring before the season starts and he's going, I mean, he's going to go north just because of that contract. Um, but I think from the fan point of view, we would feel a lot better if we saw, you know, something out of him. Even if you can't take a whole lot of out of spring training, seeing him, you know, with a little bit more consistency, a little less strikeouts, you know, yeah. just playing at, a, at some sort of level would make us feel a little bit better. Yeah, just a, some good hard contact to go along with his normal defense mm-hmm. would just would go a long way. I think uh, after all the storylines about new swing and and new finish to the swing and all that, seeing a slightly different look stick all the way through spring training along with that good hard contact would go a long way. Yep, I agree. I agree. I would like to. Other than that, I mean, like I said, a lot of the offense looks good um, from what you you know. Again, with all the caveats. Um, and the pitching has been interesting. Um, Gina Bonigayagos pitched this week. Of course, it was a big deal because he's pitching with the pitch clock. Um, you know, gave up a run, three hits, had only like one violation. Um, what do you think about this? Because I'm, I'm still kind of, I don't want to say espousing the theory, but I still wonder if if his adjustments to make him get into that 15 or 20 seconds 
is going to turn him into a lot more hittable pitcher. Yeah, I I was pretty shocked at how, at him getting that contract extension, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comes from somebody who I feel like I am probably like the leader of the Giovanni fan <laughs> club, like in on Cardinals Twitter. Like, I don't know. Like I've, my projections have loved him since we got him from the Yankees. And I, I've kind of just been following what my projections say. And, mm-hmm. and, and he's just been so remarkably consistent, even if he's not great in the closer role per se, but yeah, I was just shocked to see with the, with this coming along down the pipeline that, that the, the rules about, about um, pitch clock that, uh, that they would just, it feels like an early extension to me, you know, like let's see what he can do with the pitch clock first might've been a prudent course of action, but I don't know. I know that, that Hudson went down to Memphis last year and he was just as slow as Gallegos and he came back up and he was working faster and seemed to do slightly better with that than before he was sent down at least. Um, So I don't know if it was something the Cardinals thought like, Oh, this is going to be a simple fix or what, but. I don't know that it has been. No, and, you know, I always am concerned when the Cardinals give a reliever an extension that they don't necessarily need to give um, because that has blown up in their faces so many times, whether it's been somebody getting hurt or somebody being ineffective. Um, I just feel like, you know, if you don't have to, especially on a relief pitcher, maybe not. And so, yeah, I mean, Alan and I talked about it last year. We thought maybe he was a, a trade candidate to some degree because of a little bit of the struggles closer to the end of the year with the pitch clock coming, you know, with him just getting a little bit older. Yeah. Um, you know, so to see him get an extension was very, was very surprising. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, professional he'll adjust and all that kind of stuff. But that's a lot to ad- adapt to. Um and I just wonder, you know, if especially like April, April or May is going to have him looking kind of off as he still kind of figures out how to be effective while not taking 30 seconds between pitches. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's going to be the big question there, man. That's a little worried, but. We'll see. Like we said, we keep saying that we've got all these right-handed relief pitchers. If it takes a mm-hmm. a stint of him just, you know, taking a step back and not being in high leverage situations until he gets it figured out, this might be the year to do it if we've got the arms. Yep. Um, and I guess the only other person I've looked at this week, and again, I haven't watched it. It was kind of like following it on game day or people talking about it or something, um, was Jordan Hicks. And it feels like, I mean, he's still – you know, right now he's walked three better, struck out two um, in, you know, an inning and two thirds or whatever. The case yeah, he's be. also given up four hits, three runs, if I remember right. Yeah. I yeah. In, in, in that line. Uh, and granted, I remember watching one of the, you know, like there was one inning, the inning, I guess, that really probably skews it a bit is he walked, I think, three guys and he gave up two hits, but it was like n- neither one of those hits like left the infield. 
Um, You know, it was not hard contact, but nobody could get a hold of it. Mm. Um, So there's that. Um, But, you know, I mean, control has been an issue with Jordan Hicks for a while, right? And I don't know. I mean, I'm very, again, I'm sure, you know, by this time next week, he'll probably have like seven strikeouts and four walks (laughs) or whatever the case may be. And it's early. Um, You know, that's just those, those things that you've you've noticed before when you see them again it's free training you think here we go more of the same even if it's a small sample yeah um yeah jordan hicks uh, i don't know my projections have never liked him i love Mm -hmm. the guy as a human being oh yeah i you know and i was never a great pitcher or a good pitcher even so i don't know nearly enough about this to like talk credibly, but you'd think at some point you could take something a little off with the stuff he has to find the strike zone more. Mm. And still what surprises me is that he can't, he doesn't get the strikeouts you'd think based on his stuff. And he's still walking the people he's walking. Yep. Yeah. He, you know, cause even when he's throwing 102, 103, 104, Batters seem to be able to foul it off. Um, Which shocks me because of how much it moves arm side as well. Yeah. So, you know, I still, I think that's going to be one of those great what if questions at some point in time is, you know, what if Jordan Hicks developed as a starter and stayed in the minor leagues rather than jumping from a ball, you know, to become a a relief pitcher. Um, You know, that said, twenty, you know, he's, he, you know, arm surgery out for COVID. Uh, he missed a lot of time. Yes. So, um, you know, he only, you know, last year he finally got back and pitching regularly. So, yeah. But then again, what he's at? Is he a free agent at the end of this year? Yes, that, that's crazy. That is, yeah, maybe the most shocking. Th- thing I saw this off season. Like I, I think I put up a tweet that said like, wait, Jordan, there's no way Jordan Hicks has been in the league five years already. And lo and behold, I guess it was Ozuna's first year here. I think. Yeah. As 18. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Ozuna's first year here that, that Hicks was brought up with the team and it just, I don't know. I feel like everything in this world is like, it happened before COVID and I don't know, like <laughs> it might've been 2012. It might've been 2019. Yep. Yep. Or it happened after COVID. And exactly. Those years COVID run together. <laughs> such a, such a defining line for sure. <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, again, we say that, yeah, this is Jordan Hicks sixth season, but he missed half of 19 and then all of 20 and almost all of 21. He only got into, you know, 10 innings in 21. So you know, the fact yeah. is so he's only he's pitched yeah, 177 and two thirds innings total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's not a lot for five years. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I've no, I, it's always one of those things. It, he might've never made it to the major leagues as a starter. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I do hope I do feel like probably he's a cautionary tale to the fact that 
they're not, and there's not a need to, but they're not going to do a similar thing with Tinkins, um, in part because right. of this. Uh, and like I said, in part because there's just not that need, and there's not a, and a Kyle and I talked about this, um, I think on the show, there's not a Yachty or Molina saying, I can, you know, give him to me. We'll take care right. of him. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I do remember Kyle saying that during the show. Yeah. So, you know, all that, we're not going to, we're probably not going to see that again, probably maybe ever. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's something to interesting. Now let's, while we've talked about you, you've mentioned your projections a couple of times. Let's, let's talk a little bit about those. Um, you've got them out, or at least some of them are out on, on birds on the black. Yeah. Um, a, the only ones I've got posted so far are, players who could be starting pitchers for them this year. I picked yeah. just 16 guys that could make starts if necessary. Yeah. You talk about depth there, that 16 that can maybe make starts that, that counts as at least depth. Well, you know, you talk yeah. about the quality is a different story, but um, so for those that haven't read your, cause I know you described how you do this in your stuff, but for those that haven't, you know, maybe give them the thumbnail sketch of, of how you put these together and, how accurate you found them to be over the years? I, I mean, uh, they're as accurate as, you know, projection systems are. They're not <laughs> like, you know, it, it started out as more of a way for me to, and they become much more advanced since, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I started doing this. But, you know, it started out as a way for me to kind of just look at the team and set my own expectations for how I feel like they should be that year. You know, are they a... Mm-hmm. 85 win team are they a 90 plus win team are they a team that should be even better whatever it is and you know I kind of look at the last three years performance but also career performance minor league performance I kind of put some weights on what level they were at at the minors um, and then have it kind of spit out kind of three different projections at this point is where I'm at. Uh, I started this a couple years ago in 2019 or 20, um, where I have the good, the bad, and the Cerruti. Um, Mm -hmm. The Cerruti is the actual projection of what my system believes they should be at, uh, kind of regressing toward the mean a bit um, on their career, and but weighting current seasons kind of differently. And then... The good, it, I don't know, I, I say in the articles, it's, it's not exactly like a 90th percentile projection, but it's it's kind of the upper end of where I think this player should be. And then the bad would be like where my system's lower end would be. Um, and if, he, if the player does better or worse than that, then they kind of are at the, uh, they're either at a point that the projection system doesn't do a very good job of projecting, like, you know, somebody who hasn't spent much time in the minors and doesn't have much data or somebody like a Wainwright who's had a really long, prosperous, wonderful career. And, you know, if the aging curve is where we're afraid it might be based on the first five minutes of our conversation, then, uh, you know, then, then it wouldn't have quite caught up to him yet. For, for instance, let's go with Wainwright's Wainwright's the bad is basically what he put up in 2022. Like, so that's the worst my system expects him to perform is what he was last year. And that's what he was last year as a whole, not in September, but what he was last year, including the good months. Um, 
Whereas the good is as good as he's been in 2020 and 2021. And so, you know, that's projecting more of a bounce back to maybe even slightly better than he was in 2020 and 2021. You know, more strikeouts, about the same amount of walks, a better FIP, about the same amount of earned runs, uh, about the same whip, a better strikeout to walk ratio than either of those years with allowing about the same amount of hits and less homers. So it's like, you know, take it for what it is. It, it regresses heavily towards the mean, especially when I've got a pitcher whose career has over 2,500 innings. So, yeah. yeah, I will say, you know, you, you sent me a, looked at those and I was a little bit surprised at how strong Wainwright's numbers were. Um, well, hopefully that explanation kind of gives the, the why yeah. they might be so strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. You're right. There's a lot more to, to deal with. Um, and it is hard to figure out what a 41-year-old pitcher is going to do, right? I mean, I figure there's just not a lot of comparables for that um, Yeah. anyway. Yeah, so, and I, mine's not good enough to be like Zips where I have, you know, player comps of right 40-year-old pitchers who have done this or that, so. <laughs> I, I don't spend that much time on it. No. Well, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, you, when you think about 40-year-old pitchers, you even think of, like, ridiculous flamethrowers, Nolan Ryan, um, but I guess Berliner's getting up there close to that. You know, that kind of, you know, guys that really just bring in the heat still, even at that age. Yeah. Or you're thinking complete jump ballers like, you know, Jamie Wakefield Moyer. with his knuckball. Who's that? Jamie Moyer. Yeah, Jamie Moyer. Uh, Rich Hill, who's still floating around. Um, so, yeah, went, yeah, you know what's fun is living in Kansas City. I, I've, I've got another one of these guys. Is uh, Zach Greinke's more of the mm-hmm. uh, more of the Wainwright route, where he's kind of just uh, throwing as many pitches at whatever speeds he can to throw people off and and curve it in different directions and and hope for the best kind of thing. Yeah, I, I would say that yeah, Granky would make sense as a as a reasonable Wainwright being in the same group with him. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Um but there's not a lot of those guys. Not a lot of those guys that can be effective without having a trick pitch or just because I mean Jamie Moyer, Rich Hill, they were they're still you know, they were and are still in the league for a long time. But even those last years, they weren't, they were good enough to pitch in the majors, but they weren't like good. Right. Yeah. And Adam Wainwright, if you take, especially if you take out September of last year was good. I mean, he was quite good last year mm-hmm. um, and has a chance to be quite good again this year. So yeah, I mean, it's really the range of what Adam Wainwright could do is very wide and, and hard to imagine. So uh, I hope your projection is right on that because I'd like to see a very good Adam Marino. Go have it. I, I don't want it's kind of go back to what we said. We want Adam Marino to go out strong, not. Yeah. We, you want, you want the season to look more like pool holes than Yachty 2022. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, just about to say that. So uh, hopefully we, we see that um, overall you got Flaherty. Um, 
pretty strong. Again, that's got to be another one that's a little bit hard just because of the injuries that we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, so I actually wrote this up in Flaherty's write-up, and he's he's the guy who I literally had pulled up on the screen to talk about next, whether you brought him up or not. So <laughs> good there we job go. there, Daniel. Um, but, okay, so we can get into this. I have him at 21 starts this year, getting around 90 innings. Uh, an ERA of like right around 375, a FIP around four. And he's just a guy that like, I personally do not see this projection as being accurate at all. He is either going to be much better than that, I think, or injured. Because that's all he's been in his career is, is either much better than that or injured, you know? Um, I feel like the Saruti the, the on this one, is or sorry the good on this one is like an era just under three and a half with a one one five whip a three and a half fip and the the bad is a four plus era with a four and a half fip and a one four whip and it's like yeah i could see if he's hurt he's going to be the second guy with only 75 innings pitched and if he's the good you know if he's not if he's healthy he's he's going to have 150 innings of wonderful ball and I don't know. I just I just don't feel like a three seven five is him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean I yeah, I mean you don't know, but you're right. It feels like he would hit some of the extremes rather than a meh middle, I guess. Yeah, or or if it is a three seven five, it's because he starts the year healthy and has a great first half and then he gets hurt and, and bombs a few games and then he's on the IL and he comes back and he gets bombed a couple more times. And, you know, I, yeah. Hope, hopefully not. Um, I mean, this, yeah. For the fact that Flaherty again, it, j- just like Jordan Hicks will be a free agent at the end of the year. It also doesn't feel like we have a real good handle on what Jack Flaherty is. Right. I mean, in part because of the, what he's missed, and in part because, you know, we saw such a, a run there at the second half of 19. But, you know, he hasn't quite grasped that yet. And yet, I think a lot of us still have that in our heads that that's what he should be. Yeah, of course. I mean, he was also in 2021 before he got hurt. He'd thrown, you know, over 75 innings in around 15 games. He mm-hmm. had an ERA of 322, a whip of 106. He had struck out, I don't know, let's see, 85 to a 26 walks. I mean, he he was quite yeah. good before getting blown up in his last, I, I think he got blown up in his last start, too, before getting hurt. I think so. Um, so, I mean, we're talking in his after his 15th game, I mean, he was even better than that going back, and that's only two years ago now. Um. Yeah, so going back to that, I mean, he had in his 13 starts that year a 268 ERA was 9 and 1, 10 and 3 in games started by him, and in those 13 games had thrown 74 innings. Uh, opponents opponents had hit 188 off of him. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's the, that's, I think that's in line with what he can do, but 
it's just been overshadowed by the injuries and stuff like yep. that over the last couple of years that it's it's difficult to see that you know how that how that works this year and maybe it will hopefully it will um any other picture you want to talk about um I, I don't want to run my risk of, of gambling and see if I get it right again. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, uh, Kyle brings up Jake Walsh a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know it. Do, my, my projections don't have him, you know, quite as like good or consistent as like a Helsley or a Gallegos, but out of all the other bullpen options I have, so that includes, this will be coming out as soon as I can have time to write it, but out of Helsley, Gallegos, Walsh, Stratton, Cabrera, Neal, Romero, Meisowitz, Pacheco, Hicks, Shreve, Zuniga, Rob, Rodriguez, Hernandez, and Lund. So out of the 15 relievers I'm writing up, he's my projections have him as the third best option. Mm. And I don't even know if he's got a spot at the moment, which is both interesting in a good and bad way, I suppose. Um, but uh, I was kind of interested in in him potentially making the jump. It, my projections have him for about 44 innings um, and 53 strikeouts to only 20 walks, uh, only given up just under a hit an inning. Um, so, I mean, the whip isn't there, but it's got the ERA under four. It's got a FIP of under three and a half for him. Um, so that could be an interesting name to look out for both statistically and by Kyle's eye test and prospecting, prospecting, scouting, whatever, whatever he wants to call it, um, that, that he does, Uh, he'd probably come up with something much more derogatory than that, but he does an amazing (laughs) job. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's an interesting name to look out for, for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I, I remember writing up at the end of the year when I did the exit interviews and, and looking at what Walsh did in the majors last year. And it was very surprising that he didn't get another call up or he didn't get another shot at it. And I think there were some injury uh, in, in Memphis and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I think that's a, that is somebody to watch. I think that's somebody that could make an impact. Um whether he starts a season up or not, that's a, that's a different story. I haven't tried to piece together a 26 man roster yet um, and see how reasonable it is to think that he could be in there. But um, yeah, I I think that he will, we'll get some, I feel like he's going to have a chance to at least create a foothold at some point in time this season. And we'll see if he can hold it and we'll see if, you know, if it matters too. I mean, cause you know, that's the thing about, and we, you know, the thing about having a young guy with options in the bullpen, it doesn't necessarily mean how well you pitch, you know, you can still go wind up going down just because you're available to go down. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like I should have a better grasp on this, but I don't know how many spots they have in that bullpen yeah. of players who have that availability. Um, couple of things, names, um, Hanscus Cabrera, I, yeah. you're looking at the numbers that you've got. I, those seem really reasonable to me. Uh, they're kind of a middling number. You have 450 ERA, 430 WHIP. Um, you know, 31 walks in 62 innings. 
Um, but also the 62 strikeouts. And but also the 62 strikeouts, right. Um, that just kind of feels like the Hennessy Cabrera experience. I mean, there's going to be nights where he strikes <laughs> up the side. There's going to be nights where he walks everybody and, and can't get it. And I don't – I mean, I expect – that he probably goes north with the team. I think he may still have an option left. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I, I, I guess I was, I guess I would like to see your projection be a little bit more optimistic on him, but it seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. So, so when you get to Cabrera, the, the good for him is obviously a lot rosier since it's the good, sure. but. It has him just cutting down his walks to even four per nine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a huge bump in innings, which I don't think he's going to bump more more than like 62. It's got him at closer to 75 innings. But it's got him at 75 innings, but only 34 walks. So adding 13 innings, but only adding three walks to the total. And if he can just be that guy that, that, you know, even if he doesn't get the bump in strikeouts associated with the good, when this comes out soon, you know, it's got him jumping 21 strikeouts in those 13 innings too, which that's a huge jump. I'm kind of surprised that it has that big of a jump there, but if he can just kind of like Hicks, if, if he can just can command his, his stuff better, you know, that, that the ERA would drop precipitously and the whip would drop precipitously. These guys are guys that, I mean, Cabrera in his major league career has a hits per nine over 10, but in the last two years, his hits per nine in 2021 was 4.03 in Hmm. 2002 or 22 was 6.69. I mean, this is a guy that when he's in the zone, people can't touch him. It's just that he's walked. I mean, in the last two years, he's given up 91 hits. He's walked 56. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah, it just baffles my mind of like how, how you can have that much going on. And you know what? Now that I look at it, those numbers might be slightly off. I might need to go back and rework some stuff here. Well, and I mean, you know, also it's fair to note that he gave up eight home runs last year, which is half his career total in just, you know, just 44 innings. If some of that comes down, right? I mean, if you cut some of that down, things look better all overall too. Sure. Um, now, whether that may be asking a lot, right? I mean, you give up eight home runs when you pitch a lot of games at Bush Stadium, it's not not great. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that's, uh, that's an interesting one. And, and, you know, relievers have a short shelf life. Um, you know, he's been, this is his fifth, this will be his fifth season. You know, you got two, probably two really good ones out of him. Um, you know, that may be all you get out of a reliever too. Right. That's just, yep. yeah. Unfortunately. Just life of a reliever. Yep. Uh, before we leave the pitching side, I do want to note, I, you do have a projection down here for Wilking Rodriguez. What do you think the odds are from what you've seen, what you look here at the projections, what do you think the odds are that the Cardinals actually keep him? Or do they try to make like some sort of, you know, send the Yankees some money or 
a low level prospect to try to get his rights. Well, from what I gather, I mean, he's a guy they've been looking at for quite a while, right? I mean, they tried mm-hmm. to get him last year from the Mexican team. Uh, it didn't pan out. Um, I think there's a, there's a chance that, I mean, if, if you've got Walsh that can go to the minors and you've got Cabrera that can go to the minors again, and you've got James Neal who can go to the minors and you've got Jojo Romero who can go to the minors. You've got all these guys that can go to the minors. I don't think you need to, and, and you've probably got like Hudson Wordford Palante. There's probably only one spot in the bullpen for any of them. Cause you probably want two of them starting in the minors in case a Matz goes down or a Flaherty goes down or a Wainwright's not right. Or, you know, Michaelis gets a little dead arm early on because he's pitching at the WBC. You probably want all starters kind of hands on deck in Memphis. And so I could see him getting a lot of appearances early on to see if he's a guy they do want to keep. And I'm talking April regular season here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that makes sense. I also think, I also think, especially if he doesn't have a strong spring, it would not take them much to, I mean, they could probably send a guy that nobody would miss and then have the ability to send him to Memphis and keep it. Yeah. I could see that too. Just offering the Yankees, even if it's just the money. Yeah. I don't know if the Yankees would take that, but. I mean, you know, the fact is, yeah, I don't know that the Yankees are penny pinching as much, but they would have to pay what it's half the rate. It used to be twenty five thousand because it used to be fifty thousand dollars to make a claim and get somebody on your fifty, you know, make a rule five claim, and then you had to offer them back for half of that. Right. Um, I don't know what the numbers are now, but the way the way some teams pinch pennies. They'd say, "Give us a player," and I don't, you know, I don't want to pay the twenty five thousand. I don't know that the Yankees are quite to that to this extent yet, but um, <laughs> you know, they also didn't think enough of him to keep him. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, let's quickly switch to the hitter who's gone to about our normal hour, but let's not, we can't get out of here without talking a little bit about the hitting projections that you've got. Um, names that stood out to you i mean i look i mean of course you know obviously i look at jordan uh jordan walker's line uh immediately and it's pretty nice i mean you know again we don't know that he's going to be don't expect him to be starting and you don't you having uh factored for 425 plate appearances but he definitely looks to hold his own in your projection system i tell you what man i i don't remember a time and i think i've been doing these for 11 or 12 years it might have started right after the last world series championship and i don't remember a time where i've had a hitter with as little data to go on as far away from the majors as he is because I do weight my minor leagues that the further you are from the majors, the the less weight it gives to your numbers. And I've never seen a player with this high of projections. Like maybe the closest was Yepes last year, and his numbers looked pretty good. Like I I was encouraged by his numbers a little bit, like growing mm-hmm. last the last couple of years after his quick ascent after being a non prospect for so long. 
But yeah, I mean, I've got Walker over an 800 OPS in St. Louis, which is a big deal. I've got him kind of as, you know, like a, a 346 on base, a 459 slug, 804 OPS. Got him with 23 doubles, 14 homers, and 425 plate appearances. And, you know, just, just kind of shocking to me. I mean, that's higher than any of the starters uh, as it comes to OPS. Um, it's one above O'Neill, but O'Neill's is much more, you know, ISO dependent, much more, you know, slugging dependent, um, which isn't, you know, isn't quite as much what you want as a Cardinals because it's so hard to hit for power in Bush. So if you can get more people stacking on base, it almost works better for you. Um, and that's why I think Donovan's projections last year that I had him projected pretty high and he just crushed the on base on, on me, like just destroyed what I said for on base, which I thought was going to be incredible anyway, if he did what I thought, um, you know, that that's why he's been so successful in the majors. I mean, he didn't even slug what he OBP last year and he was still very successful. Um, Let's see, other players that stood out to me. Actually, the the Taylor Motter that you mentioned, um, his projection really stood out to me. Like, it's got, yeah. I mean, I've, it's got 365 plate appearances for him. Um, I'm trying to find his tab instead of just my line there. But So, Motter's a guy who only has 35 plate appearances in the majors in the last two years. Um, terrible OPSs the last two years. He's only got a 572 P- OPS in the majors in 446 plate appearances in his career. But um, two years ago in the minors, 2021, he had 319 plate appearances and an 1100 OPS. And then last year, he had an 880 OPS in 333 plate appearances. So his his recent success in the minors is severely buoying his. Mm-hmm. His uh, numbers in my system, which they've got him at 17 doubles, 19 homers, and 365 plate appearances, um, a 355, 357 on base, over 500 slugging, and 858 OPS. Like the, these numbers were just shocking to me. Like I, they've got him slightly higher than Arenado, which I mean, there's no <laughs> way, right? There's no right. way. Um, and so. You know, I, I would expect that my numbers be way off on that one. But if they're not, look out, man. There's some more Cardinal Devil magic. Yeah, which is always fun um, to see everybody get anxious about. <laughs> uh, one thing that did stand out to me and is, you know, again, we're kind of just looking at base and wins line there. 31 steals, uh, which would lead the team uh, if, if that was the case. Um, and that's only in 450 plate appearances. Right. And that, of course, none of this factors in, you know, all the all the changes, right? Um, right. You know, the bigger bases, the, the less pickoffs, all well, that kind of stuff. Maybe it sort of does because wins numbers in the minors were using those. Bigger bases, base bigger bases. Oh, I don't bigger know if they were bigger or not. You're right. If they were in, what were they using in double A last year? I don't remember. Oh, dang. Uh, 
Now we're going to have everybody screaming at their podcast saying, there he yeah. is. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Hang on. There's an article that's talking about the, the rule changes. Um, larger bases were used in 2021 at AAA level. And so at mm-hmm. all full season affiliates. So yeah, it looks like they used the, the last year's at least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think think what excites me about wins is not only is it 31 steals and 450 plate appearances, but it's only got them with a 311 on base. And so as that on base percentage grows, you know, there's a lot more chance for him to steal bases, you know, Mm -hmm. which which is really exciting to me. Um, Again, it's, you know, it's not likely to have, as we said, he's not shouldn't be in the majors this year but it's intriguing to see his see that kind of speed that you know tommy Edmonds steals but i don't i don't put tommy Edmond in that speed category you know what i'm saying and it's, it's not right because i mean obviously he's got the speed to steal and does it on a regular basis it has he's not slow by any means but when you think of just you know burner speed um guy like when kind of stands out a little bit more like that yeah yeah um other things that one other thing that stood mm -hmm. out to me was uh maybe not in a good way but moises gomez uh the good and the ugly here is uh 23 homers and 450 plate appearances Mm -hmm. but also a 38 percent strikeout rate (laughs) um so if you thought tyler o'neill's was bad when he came up and you were yelling and screaming at your TV then, you might you might be even louder this year if Moises Gomez comes up. Yeah, that's um, it is yeah, looking at that boomer bust, you've got him for forty four extra base hits. Um, but yeah, hundred and seventy three <laughs> strikeouts. So yeah. not much in the middle. Yeah, and then um Ivan Herrera's uh I don't know how much of a chance he's gonna get this year, but uh, projecting a 12% walk rate for him. And and if he can be that patient at the plate, you know, see pitches. Um, I, I don't know if it'll help how well he plays this year, but it could be so good for his development, I think, if he can yeah. see pitches like that. I've got him at a 330 on base percentage. And really, I mean, as a catcher, he's, he's not going to probably slug a ton. And then I don't know, what is his age? 22 year, I think it will be. I could Something be wrong. Like that, yeah. But, you know, if he can, you know, pull a large Newt Bar and, like, walk 12% of the time, even if he's not doing what Newt Bar did swinging the bat, that, you know, that can be a quite valuable backup catcher at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Herrera's in such a weird spot with, you know, Contreras locked in for a while and then, you know, Kisner, you know, what you know, what does he do? And um, you got guys coming up like – Pies and Crooks and, and others that maybe not be not right there on the door, but at least pushing a little bit behind him. Um, he's, he's an interesting spot. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's does feel like a guy that if he has a strong triple a could be a trade candidate when it comes down to the, the deadline if necessary. Um, but you're right. I mean, if he can, if he can get on base, that's a, that's a huge thing as well. Yeah. Um, that looks like most of your regulars kind of look in line with their normal stuff. Um, you, you know, we've got Paul DeYoung with 20 homers, but uh, 
683 OPS, um, which is yep. kind of difficult to do, but I, I think that sounds accurate. Well, when you up. when you pull the more homers than doubles and triples combined, <laughs> um, yep. along with your 206 average, that kind of kind of limits uh, limits an OPS a little bit. So, um, yep. Uh, you know, very interesting that you know to, to see all these numbers and see, you know, like you said, gives you an idea of what to expect, what to. I don't know. I expect maybe the wrong word, but yeah, you know. I mean, like I said, I, I kind of used it as what to expect as a whole for the team, not not necessarily each individual getting it exactly right. But um, the more data I have on people, you know, when the team swings younger like this, it's it's more for me to like kind of fantasize of what the team could be. Like, you know, I, I was pretty adamant, like, Hey, if my projections are right, Donovan should be the leadoff hitter. I didn't, you know, necessarily expect him to be, like I said, as good as he was, right. you know, uh, I guess, I guess my big one this year is if, if Walker's as good as these say, he's going to be as a rookie. Yeah. He probably should be playing. Maybe, maybe yeah. Carlson needs to be that fourth outfielder or that trade bait for a starting pitcher or something. Not that I want to see Carlson leave, but, um, or, you know, maybe Gomez needs to be a DH, DH bat when he's hot and then sent back down when he's not or something. Yeah. Which is always a difficult, difficult thing to do, but, uh, or to judge, but, uh, yeah. yeah. You think we'll see Gomez some this year? I mean, do you think that's, I mean, he, he is on the 40 man, I believe. So, yeah, I think since he's on the 40-man, I think we'll see him at some point. I don't know if it'll be for very long, but, you know, if 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 two out of three, or if one out of three, if Burleson, Yepes, and Gorman isn't hitting and needs some more development, then is Gomez the next man up? I would seem to be. Um, I would feels like he could kind of be like they did with Yepes last year, just almost a like a spark type of thing, just to see, yeah, you know, if he can catch a little lightning in the bottle, even if it doesn't last, um, mm-hmm. just to get things going, you know. Right. Well, Ben, it's always fun to have you on, um, and uh, all the hard work that you do on those predictions is really, you know, people, if you haven't gone over and read about them so far, and then as, as they continue to roll out here over the next week or so um, yeah, next couple of weeks hopefully by the yeah. by the end of spring training everything is up and 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 you guys can roast me with how bad some of them are <laughs> you do i, I want to say at least one year you went back and kind of judged yourself didn't you? i try uh, to do it every year I, I didn't end up posting last year's i went back and looked and i didn't up, but i want to say 2019 2020 2021 are all all up there on birds in the black. You can, you know, click on my name on one of mine and you can, you can go to just my posts and you can see how I did. And, and I put it all out there. It's, some of them are super ugly and some of them I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow, I did it. My, I might as well stop now. This was so good. And, you know, I get two of those a year. Yeah. Uh, just enough to make you think that there's something to this after all. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's good funny. to have you. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. And uh, anytime Alan can't fill in, if, uh, if I can get my kids to actually go to sleep, we can we can do this more often. 
I I am sure that sometime this summer or the fall, even with Alan, we'll probably have you back on to to talk about what's going on. So uh, look forward to it. Um, Boy, we'll have another guest next week. And right off the top of my head, it's blanket on who it is. I'll have to go look that up. I've got it's got it scheduled out. Um, But uh, we all will have another one next week. But until then, for Ben, I'm Daniel. Good night. Widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back. That's home run number 700. Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022.